Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Again, that is Facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. Head on over there. During the run of this show, we got a show chat going on. Uh, we'll have a chat going on during Monday Night Raw. So check us out on our Facebook page. You can follow us on the Twitter. That's The Ken Reedy Show. At The Ken Reedy Show is our Twitter handle. So get on over there. Follow us on the Twitter. And you can also check out our website, TheKenReedyShow.com, where you can listen to the show. Check out some pictures, check out some blogs, good stuff over there on thekenreedyshow.com. A little bit later on in the show, independent sensation, friend of the show, uh, Steve Off will be joining us talking a little wrestling in magic. And uh, we'll also got to get, get his opinions on all the things going on in the WWE, how they're blowing things up right now. So we're going to get to him. A little bit later on, and without further ado, let's get things going. It's been a, it's been a crazy, wacky month. And my tag team partner was single. That is not the case anymore. Time to bring him on. Dave, how you doing this evening? I'm doing pretty good. It's great to be back. It's been a long time, but it feels good to be back. And uh, I'm ready to talk wrestling. 
life been treating you? I'm sorry, what was that? So how's married life been treating you so far? Married life has been good. Um, as some of you may know, fellow loyal listeners to the show, uh, the last time I was on was probably like a week before my wedding, and uh, I, I, I dubbed my wedding Wedding Mania, um, which it certainly was, I'll say that. I had a, a great time, best day of my life. Uh, I got to marry my best friend, as cliche as that may sound. Um, if you go on the Facebook page, on the Ken Reedy Show Facebook page, and you look under uh, posts by others, I think the, the caption is, you'll see a video that was made of, uh, from, from somebody at the wedding of the entrance that my wife and I did. Um, check it out. Sport and Championship belts, wrestling. It was a very wrestling-esque entrance. Had to dabble in the world of pro wrestling and incorporate that in my wedding somehow. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you guys were there. I mean, it was great having you there always. You know, it was a blast. Um, but so far, so good. Yeah, I've, I've, got, I've got no complaints. It, it, it doesn't feel uh, any different except I, I'm sporting some new hardware on one of my fingers and I'm filing in a different tax bracket. But other than that, it still pretty much seems the same. Yeah, it was a blast. I had a great time at the wedding. It was a real good time. Uh, good food, lots of fun. Uh, great seeing you. It's always great to hang out live. So it was a good time. And, and you know, milestones abound. I mean, you know, almost almost like on, on even keel with getting married. I graduated IWF. A little sarcastic. Not as, not as big a deal <laughs> as getting married. But, yes, um, as far as my development as a pro wrestler, I graduated IWF. So I'm officially... Um, a graduate of the IW Wrestling School. So uh, not a lot changes. Still got to go to class, get better at things, uh, still on shows. But um, I, got, I, I wanted to bring this up um, because I got to say that, uh, and hopefully some of the guys are listening, but uh, the IWF fans, uh, you know, and, and they've been great, really, uh, to me since, since I've started. I mean, uh, well, admittedly, I don't know what the hell I'm doing in that ring, and I'm I'm learning and trying to get better and uh, better each and every time I get out there. And um, the fans have really been behind me uh, almost since the get-go, and I, and I can't sit here and say that I deserve it, but I'm thankful for it. Uh, it means a great deal to me, uh, the support and the, uh, the cheers and the chants and everything that I've gotten so far uh, from the IWF fans. And... Uh, you know, one of those things, you know, sometimes, Dave, you know, you go out there and you you, you expect the crowd to, to act a certain way. You hope they're going to act a certain way. Uh, you, you prepare yourself for certain things. And um, I, I got to admit, you know, when, when I graduated and uh, Kevin Knight, and thank you to Kevin Knight and all the, the trainers at uh, IWF that are trying to, to get my ass in wrestling shape and get better and better each and every week, um, but when Kevin was handing out the uh, the certificates of graduation, uh, the, the fans at IWF started chanting, you deserve it. And I didn't expect that. And uh, it kind it kind of hit me in the old ticker. It was like one of those things, like, I didn't want to get emotional, but it was just kind of, wow, I, I just didn't see that coming. Um, I didn't expect it. Um, but for them to chant something like, you deserve it, um, that was pretty cool. That was really cool. So, uh to Kevin Knight and the staff at IWF, thank you, and especially the fans uh, of IWF Wrestling. Uh, thank you guys so much because that really that hit home. That that really was cool. And uh, now my goal with with the IWF fans is to have a match that uh, is good enough to get a this is awesome chance. But thank you for the you deserve this chant. It it meant a lot to me. So obviously for us, a lot of uh, 
stuff's been going on since this hiatus. It's been a while since we've been on the air, and uh, you know, unfortunately, when you're when you're away from uh, you know something like this for a long period of time, uh, at times you wind up uh, some char- some uh, tragedies wind up occurring, um, and you know, obviously, we're going to talk in a bit about Muhammad Ali, uh, boxer, obviously, but his influence in pro wrestling as well. Um, but the independent scene in northern New Jersey um, lost a, a, an icon, a great manager. Uh, has been around the scene. Uh, you probably know him as Tony Scoff. He was unscoffing believable. Uh, real name, Tony D'Amato Sr. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to work with, with Tony a few times and always a class act, always, um, you know, a throwback. To uh, the, the old school managerial days, uh, you know, great heel work, great at getting that heat outside the ring, um, uh, you know, great at antagonizing the crowd, but behind the scenes, breaking kayfabe, interacting with this guy behind the scenes, the exact opposite of what his character was, uh, a, a good guy, a nice guy, a guy that, uh, you know, pull you aside and, and talk to you about the, the business and, uh, you know, what he's seen and what, what he thinks uh, should and shouldn't happen. And uh, just a really sweet, nice guy. And, uh, you know, he passed away uh, way, way, way too young. And uh, our, our thoughts, our condolences to friends and family uh, of Tony Scoff um, passed away during our hiatus. And, uh, you know, Dave, when we worked, uh, you know, a bit with the BWL, we had a, a chance to work with uh, Mr. Scoff. Yeah, it was, um, you know, for some of you out there that, don't follow the show as much and you're just tuning in now Um, before Ken even got into the IWF uh, we dabbled a little bit with the storyline with this show with uh, the the body slam wrestling organization and in particular uh, Tony Scoff and the the DOD the dynasty of destruction and uh, I was fortunate enough to be a small part of this storyline that they were involved in Um, and so were you Ken where you were kind of in support of them and I was not in really you know in favor of this organization that was you know, kind of running roughshod over the BWO, and it was pretty cool. Um, and then I made my way to the northern New Jersey area for a show. Uh, you were part of it as well, and, um, you know, get interacting with, with him a little bit in, during a few matches that he was involved in. Um, and then I remember later, he, like, after the show was over, he, you know, pulled me aside and he said, you, were kill- you, you killed me out there. He goes, but I had a lot of fun. And I, I come to find out later, I think it was through Steve, I want to say, that um, he was kind of impressed that I was kind of bantering back and forth with him a little bit because my role in the storyline was that I was just kind of in support of Steve and I sat in the front row and uh, you know you were on the other side, Ken, kind of the host of the um, of the the bikini competition um, at that time. So uh, it was a lot of fun. And then even you know he'd call into the show every now and then and have you know fun banter. It was cool to I didn't know him as well as you did. But the, the, the interaction I had with him was pleasant. It was nice. It was fun. Um, I do remember he was the first person to congratulate me on Facebook that I had gotten engaged to my wife, um, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, so, uh, you know, to Tony, I'm, I'm sure you're out there listening. Uh, may you rest in peace. Uh, it was a pleasure knowing you as brief as I did. And uh, Godspeed. Yeah, just uh, tough stuff. And, uh, you know, uh, someone, you know, in this era, you may or may have not known, and uh, Tony Scoff, and again, rest in peace, uh, but someone that everybody knew, 
uh, another tragedy on, on a global front. Uh, the, the great Muhammad Ali um, passed away at the age of 74. And, uh, you know, with the reports uh, last week that his, his health was failing, um, you kind of were hoping that those reports weren't true. Unfortunately, it turned out to be true. Um, you know, uh, getting into, you know, the stuff with Ali, um, you know, we'll get into his, his stuff and his influence in wrestling for myself personally. Um, there, there aren't many athletes. I, if there are any that I admired more, uh, than Muhammad Ali, um, you know, not living for the bulk of his career, obviously, um, but could not get enough. Uh, footage, uh, whether it was on YouTube or back in the day, VHS or watching specials or whatever I could see, uh, get my hands on and just watch, uh, get a glimpse of something else uh, in Muhammad Ali's career. Uh, just a a man that, that transcended uh, not just, you know, his sport, but uh, social consciousness, uh, fighting uh, for religious freedom, fighting for racial equality, uh, a man who is not afraid uh, to get out there and, and state his opinion and, and to fight against the majority, um, a man that, that, you know, we're not going to get into it because we're paying tribute to him, but he was not a saint, um, and people can be critical of, of how he treated Joe Frazier um, and, and other aspects of his life, but um, all that aside, uh, I just admired the hell out of everything Ali did, uh, you can obviously see his influences as far as his verbiage uh, with guys like The Rock, um, you know, the, the way he, he would quote-unquote cut promos uh, was just phenomenal. Uh, you know, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee is part of the American lexicon. It, it's something that just about everybody knows. And I bet kids probably know the phrase and don't even know where it came from. Um, you know, it's just his, his influence on uh, modern culture, on uh, sports, on boxing. Uh, you know, there's, there's not enough you can say about uh, a guy like Muhammad Ali. And, uh, you know, he was just a guy that, that you admired because of the way he was, his talent in the ring, but also how he was able to, to buck the system when he needed. Uh, nothing, you know, one of the most, um, to me, uh, amazing moments uh, in sports history was uh, when Muhammad Ali carried the Olympic torch. Um, to me, that was just like uh, amazing. It was just a great moment in sports and uh, and great moment uh, in, in society as a whole. Uh, for my money, and I'm not going to get into this debate, but when ESPN did their Sportsman of the Century uh, at the end of the 20th century, uh, they gave it to Michael Jordan. I don't even see that even a little bit. To me, Muhammad Ali, easily the athlete of the 20th century for both what he did inside and outside of the ring. He was the greatest. Um, we use terms like greatest, icon, legend. Uh, to me, at times, too much when describing certain athletes. You can use all of those when describing Muhammad Ali. And, uh, you know, Dave, it's, it's amazing, you know, a guy like him uh, – when you look at his influences, I mean, again, social consciousness, uh, racial equality, religious freedom, uh, you know, Apollo Creed, though, based on Muhammad Ali, you know, his influences in, in media and movies and, and 
verbiage. And when you talk about his influences in pro wrestling and getting involved in pro wrestling, uh, he definitely made his presence known in, in that venue as well. You know, I don't know how I could follow your statements based on your thoughts and feelings on who Muhammad Ali was, because you just, I mean, you hit it on the, you hit the nail on the head just about on every single point you made. Um, for me, my point, my, my, my viewpoint of the man, Muhammad Ali, um, in some ways, I see, I look at him as a role model. Some ways, not all, because you said it best. He wasn't a saint, okay. In other, in other areas, he was a leader. He broke. He he helped break barriers um, in in race and religion and in, you know, uh, not pop culture, but in in society. Um, he was a pioneer in the boxing world. To me. He, he was the first person, from best of my knowledge, and yes, you are a little bit older than me, but you might be able to help me out with this. He was the first person to bring entertainment to professional sports with his, with his, his brash, cocky um, bravado that he brought to the boxing world and that dynamic and that relationship he had with the media, specifically Howard Cosell. Uh, my father, I'm sure, could probably comment on it because he lived through that era. Um, but, you know kind of bringing it full circle because our show is mainly about wrestling, what he did for the, what he did in the wrestling business too. Um, you know, his, his, his bout with Antonio Inoki, um, the, the confrontation he had with Gorilla Monsoon. Um, he's really, in my opinion, like the, 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 the sports entertainment, like he, he's the birthplace of sports entertainment in a way. If you really think about it, you know, he influenced so many guys in wrestling, superstar, Billy Graham, Jesse Ventura, he said The Rock, Hulk Hogan, I mean, Ric Flair, the list goes on and on. He was the first real entertainer, or I should say the first real athlete to bring entertainment, an entertainment aspect to the landscape of professional sports. And because of the success of that, it translated to other people using his shtick and his cocky personality and incorporated it into their wrestling personas. Same thing in professional sports with a lot of these football players, baseball players. I mean, the list goes on and on. Basketball players, every single one of them, in my opinion, the cocky, arrogant attitude that they have comes from a little bit of it comes from Muhammad Ali. There's got to be influence there because, in my opinion, Muhammad Ali, like I said, he brought the entertainment factor to professional sports, and he did it like no other. Um, and just what he did as a, as a human being for his race, for religion, and for society. And, you know, you can't really – I mean, there's been a lot of things that have been said. And I put this on my Facebook page. Um, what more can be said that hasn't already been said about him? Simply put, he was the man, plain and simple. And that's how I look at it. Um, rest in peace. That's all really I can say. Yeah, the guy, you know, when you think about, you know, involved in WrestleMania 1, and when you look at, like, WrestleMania 1 and what WrestleMania has become, you know, we, we've talked on the show about Cindy Lauper and, and other celebrities. You know, those celebrities that attended WrestleMania 1, um, you know, really helped in, in, in legitimizing what WrestleMania was and what it was to become. So, um, you know, his influences uh, on pro wrestling – as well as all sports and, and all society. It's just, it's, you, you're right, Dave. I mean, you can't even measure it when you, you look at a guy's life. And uh, like I said, when I think of sportsmen of the century, and, and Ali immediately comes up because I can't think of any athlete 
anywhere. I, I mean, even thinking going back to like a Babe Ruth or, and no disrespect to Michael Jordan or, or Wayne Gretzky or the greats of the greats. But when I think about, you know, can I really name an athlete that influenced uh, media and society and entertainment as well as perhaps being the best athlete in his sport ever, I, I for the life of me, I really can't come up with anybody that comes anywhere close to the level of influence uh, that Muhammad Ali had. So as you said, Dave, rest in peace um, from us here. Uh, friends, family, fans, our condolences. Uh, obviously a true legend, the greatest. Rest in peace, Muhammad Ali. And as we try to transition out of uh, some tragic news, um, it's been pretty crazy, you know, certain things that you, you, you know, maybe you didn't think you would see, Dave, um, but, and I'm surprised, I, and I want to get your take on this, you know, Brock Lesnar, you know, before he re-signed with the WWE, there was this back and forth, you know, is he going to go back to UFC, is he going to go back to the WWE, where is he going to go, he does this thing on ESPN, he was really tempted to go back to the UFC. He was training as if he was going to be an ultimate fighter, uh, but ultimately decided to go back to the WWE. And in that interview, you kind of, the way he presented it was kind of like he was at a crossroads in his life. It was going to be either or. He was going to go UFC or he was going to go back to the WWE. And there was almost a, a quiet resignation that, like, my life now is, is I'm a WWE superstar. This is, this is who I am. And, uh, you know, for me, and I don't know about you, I kind of had it out of my head. Right? Lesnar's done with, with Ultimate Fighting. He's a, a very, very part-time pro wrestler. Uh, this comes out of nowhere. I, I didn't hear any rumblings of this. I didn't hear any hints of anything. Uh, all of a sudden now, Brock Lesnar gets a pass. Uh, to fight at UFC for one night, and then he's going to come back to the WWE. Um, what this this means for the WWE, what this means for Brock Lesnar going forward, i got to give props to one of our fans on the Facebook page, uh, Steve Token Munt said, is something like this, kind of letting Lesnar go one night for UFC, does that let a, you know, is there a working agreement where Ronda Rousey can do something with the WWE, like a, uh, behind the scenes, handshake behind closed doors between Dana White and Vince McMahon. Who knows? Uh, we're going to see probably Lesnar come back and, and wrestle in the octagon uh, before CM Punk is even going to have his first match. That's probably going to happen too, but it, it's just kind of crazy. It's something, Dave, that like, I don't know. You know. I'm not willing to jump and say, well, look, now UFC and WWE have a working relationship, but they obviously came came to some sort of agreement for this. Um it's intriguing to see if this is something that's a one-and-done, a one-shot deal, an isolated incident, or if it's something that down the road a piece we see more uh, interaction between the WWE and the UFC. But it, it's an intriguing story. It is very intriguing. And my theory on this, and brace yourselves, because you've probably heard this somewhere before, but um, Vince McMahon – didn't allow, first of all, Brock Lesnar has a clause in his contract where prior to a WrestleMania, he's allowed to have a UFC, he's allowed to compete in a UFC fight, um, sanctioned mixed martial arts fight, if it allows it, from obviously UFC. In this case, he's, he's been granted this opportunity to do so. Um, 
And I personally think Vince McMahon's no dummy. He's not going to take a guy with as much star power as Brock Lesnar has, a big multi-million dollar investment that they have in him, um, and let him risk injury to go over to mixed martial arts without getting something in return, okay? Whether it be more promotion for WWE during UFC bouts when Brock Lesnar is fighting. I'm sure that they will, on WWE TV they will be promoting this Brock Lesnar UFC fight next month, and I'm sure that when Brock comes out um, during summer during uh, – during uh, the, the UFC fight that there's going to be a caption about ordering SummerSlam on the network or on pay-per-view. He might even wear the logo on his trunks. Is, uh, it, there might be some sort of sponsorship involved in it. Um, they're going to get something out of it, obviously. They're not going to risk that. Um, do I think there's a working relationship? Yes, I do. Um, I think that it's more than just this fight. Um, I think it opens the door for a potential return of Ronda Rousey to WWE TV uh, because of the popularity that that angle had at last year's WrestleMania with the authority and the rock. Um, people would want to see that again. I heard a rumor uh, through PW insider this afternoon that Paige Van Zant, a female mixed martial artist might be involved in an angle at SummerSlam um, uh, with a few of the female wrestlers in WWE Uh which could indicate that this is part of a working relationship that WWE has with UFC. Um, this Mark Hunt individual who's going to be fighting Lesnar, uh, Ken and you and I both done our research. He's no slouch. He's got a Muay Thai background, kickboxing background, a UFC record of 7-4-1, and one, a total uh, MMA record of 23-12. and 12. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a heavy hitter, and uh, you know, he's a big guy, but he's also up there in age. He's He's four years older than Brock Lesnar. Um, so there's a, you know, I'm not saying that the world of mixed martial arts is fixed. Okay. But I think that WWE and UFC strategically figured out who Lesnar was going to face in this fight, because let's face it, if Lesnar were to lose this fight and then have to go back to WWE TV, his marketability is questionable at best going back to WWE TV with his persona of being the beast, having lost an MMA bout, okay? Even though he lost a few bouts before in UFC and when he came back to WWE, time heals all wounds, and a lot of people forgot about that. But if he were to come back at SummerSlam after losing a bout, there's, there's a big investment that could be lost here by him losing. So what I'm saying is, is that I think they picked out the guy that they feel Lesnar has the best chance of beating. Not saying that, not saying that this guy is a pushover by any stretch of the imagination, but I really don't think that they would put him in a position to lose. Um, and that's just my take on the entire situation. And I, I think that this leaves the door open for potential, um, you know, working relationship. I think this is a working relationship, I should say. Not potential. I think this is. That's my theory. I think it is. And I also think, too, regarding this situation, that this it benefits both sides. It gives WWE programming more of an edge, having a guy who recently fought on a UFC pay-per-view headlining their shows and maybe having some crossover of some MMA guys on their television programming because their product has needed a boost for quite a while. I think that's why they're doing the, the brand extension that we'll talk about later. But UFC also, too, has had a hard time marketing stars in their sport because it's not entertainment. It's sports. They really only have like three or four marketable people, and they're having a hard time marketing some of the talent that they, they, um, that they currently have 
on their fighting roster. So I think they need it just as much as WWE needs this shot in the arm. Otherwise, they wouldn't be picking up the phone to call Brock Lesnar to have him fight again. Yeah, I mean, the the intriguing thing, and you kind of hit it, is, you know, when they brought Lesnar back to the WWE, the way they have booked him now is that he is just unbeatable. He's a monster. He's a beast. No one can touch him. And you're right. If he gets knocked the F out um, at his UFC bout, it it does do some damage. Um, You know, we all know... At least we believe that, you know, WWE is a work and UFC is for real. I agree with you, Dave. I'm not going to sit here and say the UFC is a complete work, but it may very well be a complete work, you know. Um, uh, who knows? Uh, I agree with you. They probably handpicked this guy. But whenever you – anything, boxing, MMA, whenever you have any sort of fight game and you put someone in there because we read up, it was – Good chin, heavy hands. So anytime you put a guy in the ring with anybody, no matter how much better the other guy is, uh, if he's got heavy hands, you know, all he has to do is land one. Um, and, and it's over. So, and we've heard time and time again in the fight game, guy got a lucky punch. Lucky punch, a lucky punch. You know what I mean? Um, so the WWE, it'd be interesting to see how they're looking forward uh, to booking SummerSlam, what what the plan is for SummerSlam going forward, and exactly how Lesnar does. Now, if Lesnar dominates at UFC, it just adds to the character and the legend that they've built in the WWE, and he can go to UFC, conquer this this big guy in, in UFC, um, you know, then come back to the WWE and continue his dominance there. Um, We'll see what happens. Again, it is a very intriguing thing. And, and, you know, Vince McMahon is not, uh, he might be, you know, kind of a nice guy, but he's not a nice enough guy to say, yeah, sure, you know, take Lesnar for a night and then I'll just give him back. You know, there's there's something behind the scenes. There's something that's uh, been agreed upon between the two companies uh, to allow for this to happen. And I think it's it's very intriguing to see uh, how exactly this this whole thing uh winds up unfolding. And, and just to put it out there, and, and Dave, I'm sure you agree with me, uh, you know, guys, guys, all right, we're all wrestling fans here, all right? We're wrestling fans. We know it's a work. Stop. Stop putting out there on Facebook, now that Lesnar's going back, they need to put together CM Punk versus Brock Lesnar. Just stop, Okay. In the real fight game, there's a reason why they have weight classes. Uh, it would not be a fight. It would not be anywhere close to a fight. Uh, you might be like going to CM Punk's funeral. It's a silly notion. And whenever you post something that says, oh, my God, please book CM Punk versus Brock Lesnar, I'm, I'm saying this as a friend. You look like an idiot. Okay? That's not going to happen. Just don't don't pray for that. Don't hope for that. Don't lobby for it. Don't post it. It makes zero sense, especially that CM Punk seems like he can't get out of his own way to get his ass into the octagon for the first time, let alone going up against a beast like Brock Lesnar. So I had to put the two cents in, Dave, because I, I can't tell you, you know, once Lesnar was going back, I, I saw a bunch of places that people want to see Punk versus Lesnar. It just makes no sense. Well, 
get your best black suit out because you're going to be going to a funeral <laughs> if, if that's if that's what, if that's what you really want to see. Um, one more thing I want to touch upon as part, part of this Brock Lesnar situation. If you watch the interview today on ESPN, Brock made a very good um, statement that could help enhance his brand a little bit. He's the modern day Bo Jackson, very crossover uh, athlete. He you know he pro wrestles, which takes a lot of athleticism, and he mixed martial arts, MMA. This could work in WWE's favor huge if he wins this fight next month and comes back to WWE TV I'm banking it right I'm banking on it right now his persona he'll be respected amongst most of the fans but he'll be portrayed as the the egotistical heel that you know he's that a lot of people have seen him to be in the past which I think could eventually lead to a showdown at Wrestlemania between him and The Rock I think that something that's obviously something that Vince McMahon has wanted to see um, for a long time at the past three WrestleManias, and they haven't had the chance to do it. Um, but I think there's a great chance of it happening now, especially if he if he's successful in this bout, um, you know, coming up at UFC 200. And whoever he gets in the ring with before WrestleMania, WWE ring, I mean, that that guy's just cannon fodder for him in my opinion whoever it is good luck i mean you'll get a nice payday but after if brock kills this guy in the octagon everyone's jobbing out to him until until he gets in the ring with the rock that's just my opinion and it makes sense three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call we're going to get to your calls in just a little bit after the break we're going to talk to indie sensation Steve All, but right now it is time for the Day 5 50-50 News Report. Welcome to the long-awaited return of the Day 5 50-50 News Report, brought to you in part by the innovative 1640 PWPR, Pro Wrestling Podcast Radio Network. Subscribe now for free on iTunes to be a part of the Wrestling Podcast Radio Revolution. Now, on to the news this week. And our first story, hot off the heels of the major Brock Lesnar announcement that he's returning to the Octagon next month at UFC 200, many have wondered when another former WWE star will step into the Octagon, that individual being CM Punk. Punk, who left WWE in early 2014, signed with the mixed martial arts juggernaut at the tail end of 2014, but is yet to have a fight since signing with the company. Injuries and training schedules seem to have derailed his debut, but according to recent reports, Punk may be stepping into the cage before 2016 is over. His scheduled fight with Mickey Gall is tentatively set for UFC 202 in August. Fox One has confirmed that a reality series documenting Punk and Gall's respective road to their August 2016 showdown is currently in production. An official air date on the series hasn't been confirmed at this time, but what can be confirmed is that headlining that very same UFC 202 card will be the much-anticipated rematch between Conor McGregor, and Nate Diaz. Speaking of headlining cards, recently departed WWE superstar Cody Rhodes looks to be headlining several independent wrestling shows this summer, and one in particular is with Northeast Wrestling at their annual Wrestling Under the Stars tour, as Rhodes is scheduled to face former TNA star and Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle. The date set for that match is August 27th from Wappinger Falls, New York. Rose is also scheduled to face current TNA star The Miracle Mike Bennett on the very same tour the night before in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Rhodes recently asked for his release from WWE, which was granted, and it looks like he's not wasting any time mixing it up on the independent scene. Two names whose Ring of Honor contracts are set to expire in the very near future are Roderick Strong and 
Moose, where their future lies is a question. Right now, WWE is looking at both talents to help beef up the rosters when the brand extension comes into full effect in July. Both, of it, both individuals were on WWE's radar as recent as last year, but both respective talents decided to stay with Ring of Honor. No date can be confirmed as to when both talents' contracts expire, and as of right now, this is only speculation. DailyWrestlingNews.com reported recently that there is some legitimate beef between WWE Chairman Vince McMahon and The Undertaker. A few months back, right here on the day five, I reported on a situation involving McMahon and Taker in regards to a potential WrestleMania 33 match with John Cena. At that time, in that same report, I mentioned Undertaker's unwillingness to return and that he was retired from active competition for good. It's now being speculated that the reason behind Taker not returning McMahon's phone calls about possibly coming back is because he was asked by McMahon to put his son Shane McMahon over in the WrestleMania 32 Hell in a Cell matchup. Taker reportedly refused to do so, and when he took off his gloves after the match and threw them in the ring, he symbolically retired at that moment, according to sources. McMahon was hoping to secure a place on this year's SummerSlam card for The Undertaker, but as of right now, he is not returning any of Vince McMahon's messages. It's also being said that Undertaker wants to walk away quietly from the business and doesn't want any kind of grand spectacle of a retirement that WWE has been known to put out in the past. We'll have more on this story as it develops. And in our final story this week, a lighthearted story, former WCW television announcer Tony Schiavone was interviewed by Wavy.com and announced that he's entering the world of coffee, training to be a barista for Starbucks. Schiavone, who is also the play-by-play announcer for a local minor league baseball team in Georgia, says that the benefits package lured him into applying for the job and that he's got a lot of time on his hands and wants to stay busy. Plus, he's always enjoyed Starbucks coffee, so that's a plus. If Shivani can talk for three hours on TV every week, then I'm sure he will have no problem pronouncing the long and extravagant names of the beverages that Starbucks is famous for. And there you have it. It's so good to be back, and thank you all for tuning in to another edition of the Day 55050 News Report. Heard right here, top of the hour, every single Monday night, right here on the Ken Reedy Show. Ken, back to you. Good stuff. It's just been way too long. It's like, ah, oh, it's like, it's like, you know, I, it's just weird. It's like this distant memory. It's like, oh yeah, I remember the day five, and we're back. Good stuff as always. Let's go out because we got our friend and independent sensation on the line joining us for a bit. Steve off. Let's pull him up. Steve, how you doing this evening? Ken, Dave, doing good. How you guys doing? We're doing all right. Thanks for spending a uh, a little bit with us. We're going to talk a little bit of magic, but um. Before we get into that, uh, you know, I'd like to give you a platform, the opportunity. Uh, we, we, at the top of the show, we did talk a little bit about the unfortunate passing of uh, Tony Scoff, uh, mm-hmm. old school manager, great at getting that heat. Uh, you had the privilege of working uh, much more with him than uh, us. You knew him better. Uh, you tell our fans, our listeners, um, you know, what it was like to work with him, uh, you know, and, and again, we're condolences to uh, friends and family. Um, but a, a great loss. But give us a little bit of what it was like to work with Tony Scoff. Man, and I'm not just saying this because he's not with us anymore, but Tony was one of a kind. Like, you know, my dad, hands off, Bob Arian, managed me for a long time, and he was great, but he was always more like the baby face manager. And on the opposite side of that coin, the greatest heel manager, at least on the indies that I've ever seen, 
bar none, is Tony Schaaf. And honestly, if given the opportunity that I think he probably deserved, um, he probably would have shined in WWE or TNA or ROH. I don't think he wanted that. I don't think he wanted to be away from his family and traveling. Uh, but I think if he had come along in the 80s or even the 90s, um, maybe a lot of managers back then wouldn't have had a spot because he was that good at getting heat. Like, guys that should never have gotten over, that were, you know, nice guys, decent wrestlers, but never would have gotten over, he got them over. He got them heat. He got them hated. Uh, one guy in particular, a good friend of mine, James Weck, uh, he was a very talented technical wrestler, but he didn't have any pizzazz. There was no sizzle. He was all steak. And they put him with Tony, and he was one of the most hated, if not the most hated, on the BWO roster at that time. And I think that's a testament, you know, not only to that guy's hard work, but to Tony and the heat that man could generate just with one laugh. And I'm not going to try to imitate it because I can't. It was one of a kind. It was Schaff Noxious. Now, if you go to YouTube.com slash Steve Off Cheap Plug, um, we actually did a tribute to Tony, myself, and the Gun Show cast, uh, some of the Gun Show cast. Um, you know, we just said a couple words about the guy, and, and, you know, there's a lot more about him there. We went in depth, got some stories on there. Uh, there was one in particular where it was Richie Rotten and Bob Arian versus Tony Schaff and James Weck, right? Wrestler and manager versus wrestler and manager. And at some point during the finish, leading into the finish, they had filmed a vignette earlier in the day with a uh, poop-filled diaper in the men's room. Um, that, you know, we were busting Tony's chops because he was an older gentleman that, you know, he wore Depends and all that. And uh, they pulled his uh, poopy diaper out of the bathroom in the Elmwood Park American Legion. Mm-hmm. And Bob Arian goes to shove it in his face. Tony hits him in the nuts, turns it around on him. And Bob Arian is shit-faced, for the lack of a better word. And <laughs> there were kids in the crowd throwing up. It was awesome. <laughs> and I, that's not usually something that's like a good thing, but it's just hilarious that, you know, he shoves the diaper in his face, and then Tony had some um, excrement on his hand and licked it off. And that, I think, is what made people puke. And it was just that that's just one story. I mean, and that's I don't know if that's even the best one. That's just the most memorable. So just this guy was just amazing. And, you know, my only well, one of my only regrets so far in wrestling is never getting to be part of his faction, never getting to be managed by him. I worked opposite him a lot, and uh, I didn't have to work. That was like a night off to get over. <laughs> but he'll be sorely missed. Yeah, he was. I mean, you know, it's it's a good point, but you did really. He was like one of those like throwback managers, and uh, yeah, you know, in the in the vein of like a Bobby Heenan or a, a classy Freddie Blassie type. That uh, yeah, you know, you, you could definitely could have seen him, um, you know, on uh, WWE television, especially in the. Uh, 80s or 90s, and uh, yeah, he will definitely be sorely missed around the independent scene in uh, northern New Jersey. Um, but you have a you have a big show coming up. Uh, uh, give us a little bit of what's going on with uh, Magic right now. Well, June 11th seems to be the day that everyone and their freaking mother is running a show, so that's uh, it's kind of rough. But you know, June 11th is Pro Wrestling Magic Misdirection at the Morgan Junior Arena in Wallington, New Jersey. And there's a huge triple main event going on. The Down Boys, the new Pro Wrestling Magic Tag Team champs, defend against the Beaver Boys, John Silver and Alex Reynolds. They're one of the top tag teams in the world today on the indies. And they're going to bring the fight. And I don't want to pick a winner because I don't like being wrong. And this match is a toss-up because they're very, very evenly matched. 
I'm going to go one-on-one with a former trainer and mentor of mine, former WWE Cruiserweight champ, Nunzio. And then the last third of the Triple Main event, current WWE NXT superstar, Tommaso Ciampa, goes one-on-one with Ricky Martinez. Now, I don't know the details of Mr. Ciampa's contract, if he has one, but I can only speculate that after the Cruiserweight Classic, maybe he's probably going to be under an exclusive contract. So if you're in the area of North Jersey, even if you're kind of a little bit of a far ride away, you may want to come out and check this out because I don't know. I honestly have no clue how many indie matches he'll have left. So come check it out. <clears throat> have an idea. I have an idea on his contract. From what I've heard, he has mm-hmm. – um, it's a special NXT contract. They started it out with Samoa Joe, but then they made him exclusive um, where he'll work all the NXT events. Um, mm-hmm. WWE gets first dibs on him, but he is open to working indie bookings. He's just got to get it put. He's just got to get it checked through them first. Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. And he's not like a, like, he's not like a lot of the NXT talent where like they travel and like, they got to set up the ring and then report to the performance center and be a part of the ring mm-hmm. crew. Like he's, he's, it's it's different for him than it is for the other talent, but I forget what the it's a special kind of contract they 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 call it now. But yeah, that's what he's doing now. But I agree with cool. you. After that cruiserweight classic, I'm sure they'll they'll uh, they'll keep they'll hold on to him exclusively after that. Yeah, because like it looks like from last week they're really starting to get behind him and uh, Johnny Gargano as the tag team. So. Yep. I don't see them, you know, letting these guys go out and go under on indie shows to nobodies and, you know. Well, if they're also, or even somebody's you know, that aren't in WWE, that still is a big deal to them, I'm sure. Well, if they're if they're also planning on, you know, bringing a lot of talent up to the main roster to beef up the the the, the two rosters for the brand extension, then guys like Ciampa and Gargano can really hold down the fort and keep NXT, you know, to what it was when it first started. You know, yeah, absolutely. Core, not lose its luster like it like people are hoping it it, it there are people that are fearing that it does. I mean, I think that's probably in, in every fan's mind, that, that fear. When the guys start coming up, yeah, the main roster is going to be, as the kids say, lit, but then NXT might fall behind. <laughs> I don't think it will because there's so much talent down there that we haven't even seen yet, you know? Yeah. So I think guys are going to step up, and I think it'll be a good product yeah, no matter I, what. I, I, I agree with <clears throat> you. So you have a big match. Uh, so you're fighting, uh, you know, it's like teacher versus student kind of vibe. Yeah. Uh, WWE legend, um, and, and, you know, uh, before, because I want to get your feelings on this match, but I think as we're talking about this this show and guys that are listening and, and maybe you haven't seen Nunzio out there and you hear about these shows that book legends and they come in and, and a lot of times they come by, it's, it's, a, it's a name, it's an appearance. Nunzio can still go. Nunzio can still go in that ring. He's not a guy that's put on a card just because he's a name. He's a guy that's put on cards because he can still get it done between the ropes. I'll mentor you, but now you're taking him on. Tell us your thoughts on this matchup. Well, first of all, like you said, he can still go. The guy's probably in his 40s now, and you look at him, you wouldn't think that. You'd think maybe he's 35, 36, you know, a good seven, eight years younger than he probably is. And he can move like he's seven or eight years younger than he is, which is like this dude – found the fountain of youth and he ain't sharing that info with anyone except maybe Stevie Richards who's probably in better shape now than he ever was but you know all that aside yeah this is the biggest match in my career bar none um, I've faced Nunzio before I've never beaten him I've come close we've had DQ finishes he's pinned me 
I've never beaten this man. And this man was my teacher, my mentor. I still look up to him, but, you know, business is business. Now we step in the ring, and now we see who the real man is and who the best man is. And, you know, if I want to ever wear Pro Wrestling Magic Gold, I need to win this match. Pretty much win or go home. But it's a break, and it's part of a shut-up time, and I ain't ready to shut up yet. Bottom line. So that's a, I mean, for for you right now, I mean, you said it's the biggest match of your career. I mean, uh, any anything different as far as training? Are, are you you looking at a lot of old footage of Nunzi? Because obviously, I mean, we're talking Nunzi, WWEF legend, um, but a guy who's also an ECW legend who uh, is willing to do whatever it takes to, to win a matchup. Uh, what's your approach to this? I'm doing a lot more cardio because I know he has better win than me, even being an older-than-me guy, you know. Uh, he's, I'm more of a power guy. He's more of a speed guy. So that's kind of like, you know, a clash of styles, if you will. So I've upped my cardio. I've kept my strength training the way it is. And, you know, of course, now five days before the biggest match of my career, I get a nasty head cold. So now my cardio is, you know, kind of not even as good as it was last week. But, you know, still trying to do my best and come into this match as, as close to 100% as I can. It's awesome. And uh, what else uh, can we look forward to on this card? Well, those three matches. There was also a clash of the legends between Magic and the Dirty Rotten Scoundrels member EC Negro. And for the Dark Arts Championship, Everett Cross will defend against Smiley. I'm sure there's going to be another match or two added, but uh, it hasn't been announced just yet. All right, so the triple main event plus those before. two. Good. The triple main event, those two matches, which are equally capable of main eventing any show, and plus there's probably still more. Like, where can you go wrong? Yeah. So before we, you know, I want to get before we let you go, we're going to get all the ticket information. But having you on mm-hmm. the line, I just want to ask you. You know, the WWE, they're going back to the brand extension. Um, we're going to look at SmackDown Live. Um, Obviously, it looks like the WWE is willing to, to shake some things up. Got the news of Lesnar going to UFC for a night. So a lot of things being shaken up in the world of the WWE. Um, do you look at this stuff as a positive? Uh, what are your thoughts on what the WWE is doing as far as the shakeup in the company? I mean, WWE is the top of the food chain with, you know, New Japan Pro Wrestling being 1A. Uh, you know, so any time either of those companies gets more eyes on them, no matter how they do it, it's good for everybody. When they're doing well, we're doing well on the indies. When they're not doing well, maybe we're not. And, you know, Brock Lesnar to UFC, I get it. I don't think Vince has given that up for free. I think it either costs a lot of money or we might see Ronda Rousey compete at WrestleMania maybe or SummerSlam. I could definitely see that being like an even exchange type program. I know they were looking to do that uh, as far as the Internet goes. You know, the rumor was they were looking to do a Ronda match this past year. So I'm thinking maybe they came to terms on that kind of deal. As far as the brand extension, I mean, look, it was good last time. Look how many main eventers it turned out. Look how much money they can make. Now, you know, instead of, let's just say, like a John Cena or a Roman Reigns main eventing every Monday and Thursday and selling the same merch, now you got, let's just say, Roman Reigns on Raw selling his merch and people are tuning in to see him. And then you got John Cena maybe on SmackDown, for instance, selling his merch on those shows and, you know, getting the ratings for that. Now people kind of have to watch both. I almost feel like before, I mean, I always watch everything I can, but SmackDown to the casual fan might have been like, oh, I can miss that. Nothing important ever happens. Now it's like, oh, okay. 
I like this guy and that guy, and I want to see this guy get his ass kicked, so now i got to watch SmackDown. I think it's a brilliant idea. I don't know why they stopped the brand extension to begin with for like a year or two, but I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I mean, I think part of the problem with SmackDown also is that if you if you happen to watch Raw, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of SmackDown wound up being a, a recap of what happened on, on Monday Night Raw. So uh, you get a couple matches, but like you're saying, nothing significant storyline-wise would uh, occur on SmackDown. You get a lot of recap, and maybe you'd get a couple matches you could kind of sink your teeth into. So uh, the, structurally, it, it was a show that you really didn't have to watch week in and week out to keep up with what was going on in the WWE. So I agree with you. I think it's it's a good move by them, and uh should be interesting to see how the next few months unfold. So before I let you go, mm-hmm. as I said, give everyone uh, ticket info, where, when and where, uh, just everything they need to do to see uh, Wrestling Magic this weekend. All right. The most active we have, most active social media we have is our Facebook for Wrestling Magic. Go like us, follow all our posts. We also have at Wrestling Magic on Twitter and at Pro Wrestling Magic on Instagram. Those are both active as well. The Facebook is probably the most active just because the most people are on there. Uh, WrestlingIsMagic.com. If you want to get your tickets in advance for this Saturday, June 11th at the Morgan Junior Arena in Wallington, tickets will be at the door, first-come, 1st first serve basis. The building only seats maybe 250 if you, you know, pry them in with a friggin' crowbar. And so that's pushing it. So I recommend getting tickets online if you're going to go. We will have them at the, the door while supplies last, though. So that's pretty much it. Show starts at 7. Doors open 6.30. Ciampa versus Martinez. Off versus Nunzio. Down Boys versus Beaver Boys for the tag titles. Cross versus Smiley. Dark Arts title. And the Clash of the Legends between Magic and Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. East Negro. Very good. Sounds like a great show. Good luck to you. Uh, looking forward Thank to you, it. Thank you, Everyone, get your get out there. Uh, we'll talk to you real soon, Steve. Thanks a lot for calling in. All right, guys. Take care. Take Bye. it easy. Dave, you know, good stuff that uh, Magic is doing. Um, you know, a good, solid triple main event. Uh, you bring in uh, a legend that can still go in the ring. Um, you know, you got a guy that, that might be snatched up exclusively by the WWE out there on this, this uh, independent card. So, uh Definitely a lot of good stuff. Uh, you know, philosophically, the way Magic is, is booking their shows, it's good stuff. Yeah, I mean, they, they 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 have a good mixture of, you know, trying to give you all different kinds of style of wrestling, um, bring in a, a name on TV, but at the same time build with the young talent, the, the local talent. So, yeah, it, it seems like they kind of give you a little bit of something for everybody, which is always good. Like I've said before, wrestling is a variety show. And it needs a little bit of something for everybody, and I think that's what the, that, that's what they're doing. Which you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, so the, the, they keep going with that philosophy. They'll get there. Three four seven eight three nine eight one five is the number to call. Let's go go out to the phones now. We got Rocky who is on the lines. Pull him up, Rocky. How you doing this evening? I think this is Rock eight four five. Sorry, I'm here, guys. Okay. Thanks Technical for being patient. How you doing tonight? Doing good. How are you guys? Doing all right. What do you got for us? Uh, no, just uh, happy to hear the uh, Ken Reedy show back on the air. Uh, I, I know I said it once before. Uh, I'll say it one more time. I'll extend my congratulations to uh, Dave and his, uh, new, his new bride. Thank you. And thank you for filling in at the uh, 
the the payback pay-per-view uh, pregame show. I, I listened to a little bit of it. Great job. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Thank you. It was definitely a good time. Um, I'm definitely uh, looking forward to uh, to Raw later. Um, I, I think they, they have a lot of uh, interesting angles they can go. But to go over some stuff you guys uh, went over earlier today, uh, you know, especially with uh, Brock going back to uh, UFC, you know, it, if this doesn't kind of skew any storylines that he could possibly include included in, I don't know what will. Uh, it kind of, you know, obviously there's kayfabe, but when you hear in the news that this kind of that this is happening, you almost kind of have to, you know book it weird because you know you know that there's a strong possibility as soon as that that ink dries on that contract for him to go back and have a fight well you you know the the writing's on the wall so i don't know you know how they're going to handle that and earlier today i remember a, a comment that you know brock put out there is like i'm the modern day bo jackson i'm like oh well Hold on there. Now, I, I have always been impressed with, with Brock Lesnar, don't get me wrong, but, you know, as far as we're talking multi-talented athletes are concerned, I think that's a little bit of a stretch. What do you guys think? I, I kind of agree with you only because, I mean, when it, you know, I don't I mean, growing up seeing Bo, like, Bo was, was something special, and, um. I don't know. I mean, I think it's a clever marketing tool, um, and if that's how they want to market him, then so be it as far as taking it seriously that he's the modern-day Bo Jackson. I, I can't take that seriously. I, I just can't. You know, he's, uh, you know, he's been giving a, a pass with the WWE. He's, he's more than part-time. It's not like he's got, like, a football season and a baseball season to train for and get ready for. Uh and again, it's it's nice and it's a good marketing ploy. But if you saw Bo Jackson, if you saw what the guy can do, it's uh, or was able to do, uh, it's a bit of a stretch. Uh, I, I think it's it's nice that Brock Lesnar uh, believes in himself as 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 he does and uh, uh, thinks of himself in, in that vein. But I, I can't take him seriously as a a another Bo Jackson. Clever marketing tool. But as a sports fan, I don't see it as that. Your thoughts, Dave? Well, like I said earlier, I think that that, that line really enhanced his brand, all depending on the success of his fight coming up. If he wins this fight decisively and he goes back to WWE, this adds another layer, another extension of his persona on WWE that could get people to hate him even more. Not saying that he's hated now because – he seems to have a, a, I would say, the respect of the audience because of his legitimacy with his background, but with obviously Paul Heyman as his mouthpiece. I mean, Paul Heyman, you know, for the longest time, the one in 21 and one was, was the first thing that came out of his mouth. Um, this could be something new added to his persona. Like I said, all depending if he wins this fight coming up in July. And as of right now, this is only a one-off thing. If the, if, the, if the success of this fight is based off of not only his victory, but the pay-per-view numbers that it does for UFC, it wouldn't surprise me 
if this trend continues, if maybe, I don't know, like in the fall, he has another fight with UFC, and then coming off of that fight, he gets into WrestleMania season, gears up for WrestleMania season when they would need him the most. I'm not saying that, like, I disagree with you guys, but on your on your, your, your disagreement of the Bo Jackson, you know, line that he put out today on SportsCenter, but if he keeps winning UFC fights and then keeps performing well in WWE, it's a pretty cool tagline, and I'm not saying it would be anything close to what Bo Jackson is doing, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be far off. I mean, I don't know what your take on it is, but if he were to keep winning these fights in UFC and then keep, you know, enhancing this persona and performing real well and, and drawing money for WWE, I mean, he could be the new two sport athlete in in the in the in the the, the combat sport sports entertainment realm. If you think about it, no, the only problem I have with it is that it's not two sports. You know, no disrespect to, to wrestling, but it's that's not a sport. Uh, it's sports entertainment. It's athletic. Um, if he was, you know, boxing and doing MMA, then, you know, maybe I could take it seriously. But the fact that you can, with the WWE, that you can be coddled on some levels so you're able to uh, perform in the other sport is 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 where I kind of have, where I can't take seriously the moniker. However, yeah, I think Heyman, it's something for Heyman to, to use to death. Um, I think it's something that uh, is a clever moniker. It's a clever marketing tool. Um, you know, I, I think, it, and it's one of those things, as we're talking about it right now, you know, anytime you make a statement, now whether Brock Lesnar believes it himself even, or if he just knows that it's going to, you know, get some people, and people were reacting to it today. And when you're trying to publicize yourself uh, to put something out there that people are going to react to where they say, oh, yeah, definitely, or no, this guy's full of it, um, if people are talking about it, it's a good thing. So, again, I go marketing good, uh, actual, like, Bo Jackson type, I say nay. Uh, but, again, it's, it's, it's an interesting statement. Um, I, I'm starting to interrupt. I can see it now. I can see the T-shirts now. Brock knows suplexes. <laughs> oh. You're right. You're right. They're gonna go with the bow nose campaign. They're gonna Oh geez, here it comes. You heard it here first. Well done, Dave. I I I would be if, and if they miss the boat on that, shame on them. Call You're me. right, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, call me. If you if 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 you miss the boat, I'll show you I'll, I'll throw you the life preserver. Can we, like, you, know, you, you can definitely never say never when it comes to the WWE. And the 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 other thing, the one thing I'm lo- looking forward to on Raw tonight, uh, is with this slew of people returning, it was great to see John, you know, Cena come back. It was great to see, uh, uh, oh my God, his name just popped out of my head. Rollins. Rollins, thank you. It was good to see Rollins come back. I'm not, you know, as far as how they're booking Rollins still as a heel. I wasn't totally on board with that, but the, the return I'm looking forward to tonight, from what what I've read and hearing through the grapevine, is Bray Wyatt making his return tonight, and I think it'll be interesting, especially with the development of now. Now you have the Bullet Club. Uh, if Wyatt comes back and he has the Wyatt family, uh, are you going to see uh, you know uh, start seeing an oversaturation of factions uh, within the WWE? 
It's a good question. I mean, it, it's interesting right now, and I think it's it's an exciting time to be a fan. But uh, yeah, there's that that, and you got to talk about both sides of it. You see these factions, you see things happening. Um, you know, I think what you've seen recently from WWE calls for some optimism, but what you've seen over the past year plus from the WWE, it's cautious optimism. And if they, they have a bunch of factions, do they do right by these factions? And, and how do they book the guys? And uh, I agree with you with, with Rollins, you know, bringing him back, and it's almost like force-feeding him at heel. Now, if, if they have something, you know, happens to pay-per-view, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to be told I'm not that type of fan that says, oh, my God, that was terrible. Why are they doing that? But on the surface... To me, you had the top baby face right there at your fingertips with his return, and he's going up against a guy who, let's face it, at best is getting a lukewarm performance from the crowd, uh, response from the crowd, that I, I just thought that it just made perfect sense for Rollins to just come back and be that top baby face, and, and they're not doing it. Now, do they make that work? Maybe. Does it seem awkward to me right now? Yeah, it does. Um what do they do with Bray Wyatt and the Wyatts? What do they do with the club? Um, it's interesting stuff. I think, Rock, what, you know, what you hit on is, um, you know, there's more than enough rope there for the WWE to hang themselves. However, there are, there are pieces in place right now where it gets you a little bit excited as a fan, that you're not tuning in raw thinking, oh, I'm going to see the same old crap for these next three hours, that, at least you're again you're optimistic you're you're a bit excited and you're hopeful that they do the right thing whether they do the right thing or not with these thing with these uh characters remains to be seen what are your thoughts on that dave here here's my take on it um do you remember when john cena's popularity began to i wouldn't say fade but when when the audience wasn't totally 100% in his favor and WWE was still in that period of trying to find ways to make the people like him. And it just didn't seem like things were working. And then at that point, the dynamic, the relationship and the dynamic that he had with the audience in a sense became a part of his character. He embraced the hate from people. And in turn, WWE just kind of ran with that. Now it's, you know, it, you, me, and everybody else that's a, a loyal, diehard wrestling fan that watches WWE programming doesn't blink an eye that the, that the audience is booing John Cena. I think, it's, I think as years have gone by with Cena, his character has gained the respect of the audience, but it just happens to be the popular – it's still the popular thing to boo John Cena. And I think they're kind of taking that approach with just about everybody on the roster. And here's what I mean by that. I mean, Reigns – they tried the, 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 the number one baby face, and it's not working, okay? They want to portray him as this good guy, as this hero. They've tried different ways to get the audience to react positively towards him. And for whatever reason, it's just not working. They're cheering guys like AJ Styles in the club. They've cheered the Wyatts for God knows how long. I think that they're at the point now where we're, the new heels and the new baby faces are like the opposite. The bad guys get cheered. The good guys get booed. And I think that they're just kind of letting the audience dictate who they like and who they don't like, and they're not really caring to force 
They don't really care to, to, to force feed who you should cheer and who you should boo anymore, in my opinion. They're just kind of leaving it up to the audience. And if, it, and if creatively it contradicts what the audience likes or doesn't like or how they react, so be it. I think we're in a new era, at least of WWE, where, like I said, they really don't care. I'll give them credit here on, 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 in one instance. Last week, Cena's return, it was a big deal, okay? AJ Styles came out, that interaction that they had. It was awesome to, to hear the crowd go back and forth between the two. But good old white meat, babyface, AJ, country boy AJ Styles turned on John Cena, and that whole audience flipped on AJ. Credit and kudos to WWE for the way that they planned that and the way they booked that because I didn't see that coming. And to be quite honest with you, I expected a more positive reaction for AJ putting a hand on John Cena. But they booed him and the club for the beatdown that they gave on John Cena. And considering how the audience is towards Cena, I was very surprised by that. So right now in today's state of WWE when it comes to good guys and bad guys, there's a lot of gray area. And I think they're just kind of letting, letting the audience kind of figure it out. I don't think they're really going to, you know, force the club to be good guys or bad guys or same thing with Reigns anymore. If, if you kind of understand what I'm saying here. Yeah, I get it. I mean, it's like they're going to let the crowd. I, mean, I I don't know, like, if that's necessarily a, a good thing or not. I think, you know, I don't know. Like, well-defined characters are a good thing. But I guess, you know, the Internet fan is, is hijacking shows, and maybe that's the direction they're going to go in. Um, but I agree with you. I think the turn worked really well last week, and uh, let's see how they follow up with it uh, this week. Rocky, great stuff as always. Thanks for the call. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Take care, guys. Take it easy, bro. Let's stick with the phone. Let's go back out there. I, I think this is Kevin from California. He's been on for a while. Kevin, is this you? Yes, it is. My brother, Ken. Dave, how y'all doing? Doing all right. How you doing? Thanks for being patient and staying on the line. What do you got for us tonight? Hey, first and foremost, I've got to say congratulations to Dave and your nuptials. I hope it goes well. I hope it lasts a lifetime, and I uh, hope it's great. Thank you. Thank you very much. And, and second of all, another thing Dave put Dave over, I love the theory you spun earlier about Brock Lesnar leading to a match with The Rock and how he could tie in next month's UFC fight. I'm hooked. I've been waiting for that rematch since 2002, and the way you spun it, I really hope it plays out that way. That would be hot. Seriously, that would be so special. It culminates at WrestleMania 33 during this grand split era. That that would be amazing. It really would. Thank you. But also, I wanted to get into um, really quick about this Brock Lesnar um, fight he's having next month with. Um, gosh, I forgot the gentleman's name right now because um, Mark Hunt. Mark Hunt. There we go. Mark Hunt. I apologize. I was reading about the gentleman over. We'll say this. He has a puncher's chance. From what I've read briefly and how I've heard people briefly talk about him, and a lot of people do say one thing about him is he's a heavy hitter. He's got a heavy hand to him. So, hey, when it comes to that fight, he has a puncher's chance. Now, as it relates to the WWE side of things, what's going to suck, you know, um, if Brock Lesnar loses this match next month with Mr. Um, now, what's his name again? I forgot his name. I'm sorry. Mark Hunt. Mark Hunt, I apologize. It's Mr. Hunt, if he loses okay. that match with him, all the fans are going to sit there and think to themselves, why did they have Brock Lesnar in the street and now all of a sudden he gets his butt whooped at this UFC match and come back to follow up a month later at SummerSlam? That's one thing they got to take into consideration. 
Another thing is, win or lose, Brock Lesnar goes into his match. If he gets hurt, what happens to him being at SummerSlam or further or future WWE pay-per-view events going out for the rest of this year, going into WrestleMania 33? Then another thing I want to throw out when it comes to the brand split and the two world title situation, which I'm kind of warming up to the idea because it has its pros and it has its cons. The pros I take from it, I'm kind of high on. It creates opportunities, say, like for a guy like Dolph Ziggler, or you might scoff at this one, but, hey, what he did at WrestleMania 32 this year, he might pull it off during the brand split. You never know. Zack Ryder, it gives someone an opportunity to win a world title. That's the pro side of it. But the con side of it is, which it's kind of weighing more heavily on my heart because I'm all about competition and titles having meaning and prestige, is you're always going to have those nitpickers going to sit there and say, like, say, Dolph Ziggler wins a world title again. And they're going to be like, well, he won the world title when there's two world titles around. And they're going to sit there and say, well, it's not going to be as special as if he won it right now when there's only one world title around. I just want to know, how how do you guys feel about that? Well, my take, honestly, I, I'm against two titles. Um, that's always been my feeling. I, I would almost treat um, Raw and SmackDown as uh, almost like separate territories. And, and the champ would be on both shows. I would have the, right. you know, if you want to take the secondary belts and maybe, you know, the U.S. title is uh, exclusive to SmackDown and the IC title is exclusive, exclusive to Raw, that's fine. I would have the tag team champs and the, the heavyweight champ appearing on, on both shows. I, I feel like we had the two championship belts for so long. Uh, it hasn't been, you know, it wasn't that long ago they... Uh, you know, united them, unified the, the belts. Um, I see what you're saying, and it does open up uh, other uh, avenues of opportunity for other competitors, which, uh, you know, is definitely a positive. Uh, for me as a fan, though, I, I prefer just one champion, one definitive champion. Let that guy, whoever he is, go on both shows, and the rest of the roster can kind of be uh, exclusive. But that's just my take. What's your take, Dave? I agree with you. I don't like two champions because it makes the world title... When the World Heavyweight Championship was around, the WWE title always seemed very important. And to me, there's got to be consistency with this upcoming brand split. And I'll get more into that in another day. But I would would go along the same vein like you did, Ken. The world champ... You know, Raw and SmackDown are different, obviously, but the world champion stays, you know, on both shows. Not necessarily, it doesn't have to be on both shows every week because you don't want to overexpose the champion. Um, but give the world champion the option of going to, to, to both shows. I would twist it up and do something a little bit different, though, because they said you want to make these rosters distinct and, new, and unique. I would honestly make the tag team titles exclusive to Raw and the women's championship exclusive to SmackDown so that each brand has something distinct and unique that sets them apart from the other brands, but all still under the same WWE umbrella. So Raw could be the destination for tag team wrestling. You could put all the tag teams on Raw, and then you could put all the girls on SmackDown. SmackDown is destination for women's wrestling. Every Tuesday night, you'll get to see women's wrestling. And then you could put the U.S. title on SmackDown, Intercontinental title on Raw, or however you want to do it, and Whichever show doesn't have the world champion on as much, which would more than likely probably be SmackDown, then you would take that mid-card title, and that could be the centerpiece for the majority of the SmackDown viewers. So, like, if John Cena were to come on to SmackDown, he could bring back that U.S. Open Challenge, and that could be a focal point of SmackDown along with the girls. 
That's how I would do the brand extension. But there's got to be consistency. It's got to be a hard split. You can't have, you know, if the ratings are down, oh, well, we're going to send the guy over from Raw to go on to SmackDown to boost the ratings. No. If it's a split, it's a split, plain and simple. Now, how do you guys figure the Cruiserweight um, tournament that they're having right now will factor into? Will there actually be an even a new Cruiserweight title or the Cruiserweight title reintroduced to things? And if so, how do you think that will factor into it? That's a good question, man. I, I don't know. I don't know how exactly they're going to uh, uh, phase that in. It's 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 a very unique and cool idea. Um, you know, I, I mean, do you have any thoughts on that, Dave? If you're if you're already labeling the the the, the show or the contest or the the competition cruiserweight, then it's bound to happen that a title will be brought back at some point. The question is, how much emphasis and focus are they going to put on it? Are they going to put it on the main show? Or is the Cruiserweight title going to be exclusive only on NXT? Are they going to add another title to the NXT brand? Because I feel like if you were to add a Cruiserweight division back to the main rosters, uh, you know, Raw and SmackDown, then those guys are going to get lost in the shuffle. I really feel like that's something that would flourish and be better suited for NXT, um, in, in my personal opinion. Because I just think way too many titles, even for both brands, it's just to me, it's just too much. I would, I would honestly keep that separate and put that on NXT and keep it there. And just one more thing, um, I heard this rumor for the last like four or five days where supposedly Triple H is going to lead an invasion type angle onto Raw and SmackDown. I guess during the draft, when the draft starts to go down sometime in July next month, to where NXT will factor in and be a part of the draft and or. NXT, when it comes to Raw in particular, because Raw is still going to be three hours, will get one hour of Raw, while the other two hours are going to be the main roster for Monday Night Raw. Have you guys heard anything about that? I had heard, actually, and, and Taz speculated on this, because and, and I'm going to paraphrase that, like, Triple H put out a a cryptic tweet of, it was something like, the end, question mark, where do we go from here? And so all sorts of theories started running rampant on the internet. I haven't heard anything factual, but that was Taz's take on things. And, and to put it out there, again, I don't know if that's what they, they would do, but I think it's a great idea. If, if in fact, they want to move NXT from the network to uh, mainstream TV and they want to bring it to, to USA, I, I honestly think it's perfect because we have said for years, that the WWE um, and going to three hours on Monday Night Raw has not worked out. The three-hour Raw, I mean, don't get me wrong, they've had some good shows over the years, but for the most part, three hours week in and week out is just too long. If you brought NXT into the fold there on Monday nights, USA, as a network, would still have their three hours of WWE programming on Monday nights, uh, but you would, in fact, get a two-hour Monday Night Raw, which to me is, is more in the direction that they should go in. You get NXT, the mainstream media attention that they wanted to get. And, and Vince McMahon would save face because he wouldn't be coming out and saying, you know, the three-hour Raw didn't work, so we're going to two. It would still be the three hours of programming, so I think it would be good for the WWE as well. So have I heard anything official? Absolutely not. Do I think it could be a very solid idea to have an hour of NXT, two hours of Raw, and then two hours of live SmackDown the following night? 
um, yeah, I think that that would work pretty well. And, uh, you know, maybe you have some crossover where someone from NXT shows up on Raw. Sometimes don't overkill it, but I, I kind of like that idea. But, again, that was Taz's take on where they might go. As far as I know, there's nothing official. Uh, Dave, if they went into if they went into that uh, area and they decided to go uh, NXT, say, from 8 to 9 o'clock and then Raw from 9 to 11, do you think that works? Um, it works only if you keep and if you don't change anything about NXT other than just where, where it airs, to be honest with you. I really think that, um, what makes NXT so unique is that it's a different brand of wrestling under the WWE umbrella. It's, it's that indie fan, that internet wrestling fans promotion in a way, you know, um, you don't try and put it on the same level as Raw and SmackDown and make it like a third brand, kind of like what they did when they rejuvenated um, ECW and then basically made it a watered-down version of, of you know, the minor league of WWE. Keep it where it's at. I, I really think, like, changing the concept up of it and, and changing the presentation and trying to keep it on par with Raw and SmackDown will hurt that brand and eventually – won't be of of great service to the talent performing on that brand. The guys that never thought they could get a shot now have a shot because of NXT. Don't change a thing about it except when it airs, if that's what you really want to do. That's the only way I think it's going to work. Yeah, I agree with that as well. It'd be, at the same time, it would be interesting, but um, I guess like we all got to do until I guess what the draft is going to be, what, July 11th? We got to wait and see. Good stuff. Yeah, and again, it's it's tough where, like, you're kind of excited as a wrestling fan, and, and you know, I don't know if, uh, I think it's been a long time since WWE fans have been excited about uh, some new and interesting stuff coming down the pike. So let's see how this summer shapes up and as we head towards the draft. Kev, good stuff as always. Thanks for calling, and uh, talk to you real soon, man. All right, you guys take care. Have a good one. Take it easy, brother. And I, and I think that's it, Dave. And you kind of, you know, you touched upon it. And, and kudos to our callers because, you know, we have our rundown and our callers were able to get us uh, to the subjects we wanted to hit uh, without having to just, you know, strictly go with our outline. Um, the good stuff from the callers. And, uh, you know, it's it's interesting because there's, there's, there's two things that you're really looking at right now with the WWE. Uh, the changes that are coming have you excited as a fan, but then they got to do it right. And and I think like that that's the thing that we're hitting on right now as we're talking about these changes that might be coming down the wire with the WWE. You know, if they do the brand extension, cool, great, that's exciting. Now the thing is, the brand extension works well because it's a lot of talent now, and they got to do right by all that talent. They have to, you know, anyone who's booking a wrestling show, you know, your your talent has to look strong. Everyone has to look strong on some level, so there's suspense. So. When the roster is formulated, you have a roster of contenders over there. Um, so wherever the draft plays out, you, you need to, to do right by those guys and how you book them and, and, and how you make them look strong. Um, so, I mean, the brand extension is good, but what do they do with it? Do they do the right thing as far as the drafts? Do they add a secondary title? Because I don't like that. I, I, I just don't think it works. When you add another title, again, they just unified it recently. You add another title to the mix, that immediately diminishes the IC title and the U.S. title. And for years we were talking about how, you know, those titles don't mean anything anymore. The world title kind of 
reached the cachet of what the IC title used to be, and all the secondary titles were crapped upon. Um, I, that's why I think don't add another world title. If you want to have, like, like you said, Dave, if you want to have a, you know, the, the champion on both shows, but most of the time he's on Raw, then, hell, elevate the IC title as, like, that main event, a main event belt on SmackDown. Give it a little more prestige. They've done a nice job at elevating those secondary belts, but they're not where they need to be. They haven't gone far enough with it. So this is an opportunity when you move into the brand extension to do right by those titles as well. But they have to do it the right way. They have to do this brand extension the right way. They have to do the draft the right way. And like, and I 100% agree with your take on, on NXT. You want to add NXT to the beginning of Raw, that that first hour of programming is the NXT program, and then you get a two-hour Raw. That's all fine and good, but it needs to be NXT. It needs to continue to be NXT. It needs to be what NXT has done to, to create the buzz that it's created over the time it's been in existence. So there's a lot there to be excited about, and, you know, for us here – it seems like there's going to be a lot of stuff for us to be talking about uh, here, which is always good. You know, when you're doing a wrestling talk show, it's great when chains are coming down the pike because you got stuff to talk about. But, you know, Dave, when you look at this, there's a lot of, a ton of moving parts right now that you know the WWE, and this is no disrespect, they're not going to get everything right. Uh, you know, you can't expect them to get everything right. But you hope with all these changes that they get most of these things correct, and we head into a more prosperous, more entertaining era of WWE programming because the week-in, week-out programming that we've seen in recent memory has not been very good, Dave. Yeah, you know, you make a great point about like how they're not going to do everything right um, when it comes to this brand split. And I, I, I think... I, I agree. I think there will be some things that I see a part of it that I don't like, but I think there will be some things that will surprise me that I didn't expect that I will like as a part of this brand split. Um, you know, when the press release came out a few weeks ago that they were going to split um, and they talked about two distinct rosters, the first thought that came to my mind was the point I made on the phone with Kevin about, you know, making the rosters distinct and unique. Maybe one brand is exclusive to the tag team division. One brand is exclusive to the women's division. And, and, and it would really help elevate the girls by being exclusive to SmackDown. And same thing with the tag team division. Two divisions that have needed elevation that have – they've taken baby steps in the past – in recent years in doing that with the tag team titles and more recently with, with, with the women. Um, but – to me, it's all about consistency with the brand extension. When the brand extension first happened in 2002, you know, they, they did a lot of things to really shake things up but didn't really have a plan. They split up a lot of tag teams. I think, in my opinion, tag teams are a no-no. Do not split up tag teams in, in this brand extension because I think it will help keep the, the importance and the elevation of the tag team division moving forward by keeping these teams together as opposed to trying to mix it up by taking two singles guys and throwing them together and voila, you have a tag team. I don't think that works. I hated that from the beginning. Do not add a secondary title. Um, I think, too, the other thing is, like I said, if you're going to go hard split, you got to go hard. Um, guys are on certain shows, and that's where they stay. The only time you intermingle is maybe a pay-per-view or a big event like a Royal Rumble, a WrestleMania, stuff like that. Um, you know, a lot of times we would see in the in the old brand extension, if the ratings were down on SmackDown, it's like, oh, well, let's send somebody over from Raw for no reason just to give that show a boost. 
If you're going to make both brands equal, you make them equal in terms of, uh, you know, stature and, 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 and not in terms of like who gets what title, but just make both brands an equal brand. Don't make raw the A show, but smack down the A minus show. You know what I mean? Um, to me, it's all about consistency, bottom line. And, End of discussion. It has to be consistent, otherwise people aren't going to buy it. I, I kind of compare it to what Major League Baseball has with, you know, the American League and the National League. In the American League, pitchers don't go up to bat, but in the National League, pitchers do. And there's one world champion. There isn't a champion in the, you know, the, the National League champion and the American League champion, they meet in the World Series, but at the end of the day, there's still one world champion. I think that, that sentiment has to be the same for this brand split with WWE. An excellent point about tag teams, you know, especially, you know, the tag team, you know, they, they did a lot of damage over the years on these secondary titles. Um, and, and for a long period of time, uh, you know, the tag team titles lost a lot of its prestige and the tag team division blew chunks. And, you know, you're finally getting back to a point um, where you have, you know, the tag team division is in a good place. Um, again, it's not where it needs to be, but there's cause for optimism. Um, the Vaudevillian villains, um, Enzo and Cass, obviously New Day. The Dudleys are back. Um, you know, it's a good division. And, and to me, if you use this, uh, it's like short-term goals versus long-term goals. Like, yeah, when you like, you know, you turn on the draft, and it's like, you know, oh, my God, you know, Enzo was drafted to SmackDown, and Cass has been drafted to Raw. Oh, my God. And it's like, it's it's something that, like, short-term, it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe what just happened. But then it's like, long-term, does it do any good for either one of them? And does it do any good for the tag team division? So I agree with you. As they've, as they've done a good job in recent memory of building the tag division up, don't blow it by turning around and, and saying, you know, all right, we're going we're gonna to split up tag teams. I, that I don't want to see either because it's not – you don't have enough tag teams that have been firmly established for years uh, where they're ready to go off and, and be single stars. So it remains to be seen. Again, this is going to be a lot of stuff we get to talk about week in and week out of how this all unfolds, uh, looking at Brock Lesnar heading towards UFC 200. Uh, lots of stuff to get into over the course of the summer. You callers that called in, it's great to be back, and thank you for your continued support and calling in. Great stuff, as always. We'll be back next week, 6.30 on Monday night, same bat time, same bat channel. I am so happy to be back. For Dave, I am Ken. Enjoy Raw tonight. Take care. See you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.